Hi everybody, I'm so glad that you've been able to join us today, possibly in the morning or the night or the noon, it doesn't matter, we're just so glad that you're involved in, and you're participating in the series that we're doing. The series is called Amen, and each week I've been challenging you to say those words, Amen. When you say, well, when, what am I in for? Well, the first week we had a look in, we said, I'm invited. Yes, you are. Jesus invites people others reject. You are invited into the family of God. The second week, we went a little bit further and we saw that you are invaluable in the local church family. Every single part of one of us has a part to play. We are invaluable. We can't do it without you because you are the church. You don't belong to a church. You are the actual church. And a family can't exist without members in the family. So without you, there is no family. That's how important and valuable you are. Then the third week we had a look and saw how influential we are. Can you say those words, I'm influential? Yes, you are, because one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love could change somebody's life. I want to tell you this morning that you are influential. Today we conclude our series with the last one. I'm in, I'm what? I'm invested. That's right, I'm invested. You know, investment is a very interesting subject. Some of us invest financial markets and some of us uh, bank accounts have ISAs and things like that. We all invested. And there's two main reasons why people invest. So when I was thinking about it, first one was, hey, you're doing it for a return. If you invest in stock markets or in an ISA, what are you doing? You're investing because at the end of the term, you would like some kind of return on your investment. But there is another reason why we invest, and sometimes this is more important reason, and that is simply because of that thing called love. Now, I have two little Dachshund dogs. Uh, they're sausage dogs. Uh, each of them, they're about this long and bodish, and with the tails, they're about this long, and they're only about this high, and their little legs are about this high. They are teeny weeny little things, and they are daddy's girls. They are my babies. I would do anything for these dogs. In fact, Claire keeps accusing me that I love the dogs more than I love her. Now, that isn't true, but it's pretty close. So I would do anything for my dogs. If they just sniffle or they've got a tear in the eye, I want to rush them off to the vet. What is wrong with my babies? Because I'm invested into something that I love. These dogs, they have every conceivable toy that you can imagine. They got treats. I got a treat for the morning, I got a treat for the afternoon, and I got a treat for the evening. I got special collars. They even have coats. They got a winter coat and a summer coat, and they don't even like coats. They don't even wear them, but they're in the box there. When I see something for my girls, then I, I can't help myself. I gotta get invested. I would like to say to us today, your heart follows your investment. That's a fact. Your heart does follow your investment. If you know anyone who's got a season ticket to one of the big football clubs, maybe Manchester United or Leeds or something like that, Liverpool, something, how much did it cost? I was looking on the internet and it ranged between 500 to 1,000 pounds. Now, they are invested. I want to ask you something. If you say, I'm having a barbecue tomorrow, would you like to come to my house? They might just say, I'm sorry, Wayne, I'm not coming to your house for any barbecue. I got tickets at the football. I'm going to that football because I'm invested. It's high priority in their lives. If you go on a training course, if you don't pay for that course, 
you got it for free, there's often a very lackadaisical attitude that uh, I don't really have to pay attention. You might show up, you might not. But when you have invested money into it and you bought that course for yourself, then you invest it. You get a notebook, you get a pen, you milk every little inch out of it. You grow, you do everything that you possibly can because you want to maximize your return. Another one, I've got this car and it's a little bit old and uh, it's going on in years now and the seats are a bit messed up and it's a bit of a rattle trap. And if you had to say to me, Wayne, can I eat in your car? Oh, of course you can eat in my car. I don't mind. In fact, when you're finished with your, your wrappers and everything, just chuck them on the floor there and, and join the rest of them. It's not important. Uh, it's, it's just an old beta car. But let you go and invest in a brand new car, a special one, that one you've been saving up for. And you say to me, can I eat in that car? I will kill you. You don't bring food near my car. In fact, you're not allowed to even breathe in my car. We take the kids and we put them in cling wrap form so that they can't make a mess, they can't move. Why? Because we do not want to damage that car. Why? Because our heart follows where we are invested. You see, the problem is a lot of us have invested in things that don't last. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew chapter 6. Don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasure in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your heart follows your investment. Here's the question that I've got for us today. Are we truthfully invested in the kingdom of God? Or maybe I should reword it. Are our hearts sold out for the kingdom of God? Are we investing in things that are eternal versus things that are just merely local and for the here and for the now? There's a principle that I'd like to talk about uh, today and it's called poor not store. Acts chapter 20 verse 35 says this, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's put that in a different way. What was Jesus saying? And Paul was reminding us of Jesus' words there. What was he saying? God created us to pour and not store. That's God's heart for us. <laughs> pour, not store. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I think built into us, there is a scarcity mindset. So many of us lack and we fear lack. Just think of a little child, a little kid playing on the floor with the toys. Another child comes into the room and picks up one of their toys. What happens? They drop what they've got, they rush over and they grab it out of their hands and say, it's mine. We fear lack. We want to store up things. When God's challenging and say, it's better to give. It's better to pour than it is to store. A lot of us, I'm included with this. I'm sure you feel that as well. We want to. You're saying the words, Wayne, I want to. I want to give more. But I can't. I don't have enough. And we are motivated from this position of scarcity, of fear, of lack. We have a very interesting philosophy. It's called the when-then mindset. When I get more money, I will then give a little bit more. When I have more time, I can then pour and serve a little bit more. When, then. But that is based out of fear. And as long as we have this fearful mindset of lack and not having enough, we will never move into what God has got for us. 
I was a young, uh, newly married. I was in my early 20s and Claire and I just got married and we had nothing. I was a learner apprentice. Now take, well, apprentice and I was one level below that. I was still learning. I had a measly tiny little salary and we got married. We had virtually nothing. In fact, in the house that we were living, we actually had cardboard boxes. The boxes that we used to move in, those were our coffee tables. Claire was so clever, she'd take a sheet or a doily and she'd cover it and it would actually look quite nice. And we'd sit on the floor with a cardboard box and have our supper on top of a cardboard box. The carpet smelt so bad. The previous owners had, uh, had cats and they had weed all over the floor and stuff. The carpet was so old that when we tried to lift it and see what was underneath, the carpet actually snapped. It didn't bend, it snapped. It was so rotten and the smell, it was just absolutely hor horrendous. We had a beat up old car that we uh, got married and we went on our honeymoon in my beat up old car. And uh, while we were on honeymoon, you're not going to believe it, but the car broke down. So I had to phone Daddy. Dad, please could you come fetch me and my wife and tow us back. We didn't have money for an international holiday. This was just a local one. In fact, our honeymoon was donated to us. It was a, a flat that somebody had a little self-accommodating uh, apartment uh, down by the beach somewhere. And they gave it to us as a present. I was Broke, broke, broke. In fact, I had a really nasty saying. I used to quote all the time, there was too much month left at the end of the money. Maybe you've heard that as well. But God started to actually deal with me and show me that's not his heart for me. He wanted me to pour and not store. And he showed me a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'd like to share that with you today. This generous God who supplies abundancy to the farmer which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. You know, the first lesson the Lord showed me and started to teach me, when have you ever lacked where you couldn't even put food on the table? And I said, no, Lord, I, you've always supplied. Claire and I never went without. Yes, we didn't have lots of money. Yes, we had a broken up and beaten up old car. Yes, we only had cardboard boxes. But you know what? We never lacked. And I was reminded of Psalms 37 verse 25. The psalmist says, I once was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. And we never went without. We always had food for our meals. And God reminded me, he says, first, he supplies every need. And I just started to look, yeah, thank you, Lord. You're supplying what I need. And I'm so appreciative of that. But I read on a little bit more. First, he supplies every need, but there's a comma there, and then it says, plus more. Wait, hang on a minute. Right at the beginning of the verse, it says, God supplies abundant seed to the farmer. That's plus more. It's not just your meal. God actually has more for us. He wants us a little bit extra for us to give. We have a little. He provides something extra so that you can pour into somebody else and not just store it. And so I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can do this. I want to give it, but I feel I need to because there's a lack in my life. I, I want to hold on to that. And the Lord challenged me, will you trust me? Or would I start to see that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills? He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who has pre-planned provision for us. 
And I started to meditate on his word and realize that he is a good God. He's not trying to take stuff away from me. He's actually trying to get stuff to me. He says, I'm meeting your needs and there's a little bit extra for you to give away to somebody else. He wanted me to have an abundance mindset. Now, I want to share something that happened in my life. And I'm not trying to show off or brag. Please don't get me wrong. But I have to use myself as an example. I can't show anyone else. As I said, I was really, really short. And that first month when I saw this scripture, I only had five pounds extra. And I found somebody, strangely enough, who actually had less than I had. Another young couple that just got married and they didn't even have work at the time. They were really, really bad, worse than myself. And I went and I felt the Lord say to me, give that five pounds to that person. You know what? That was most probably the greatest step of faith I ever had to take to take that out of, because I wanted to keep it for myself, to bless my wife and provide for her, but to give it to somebody else, to pour and not store. Maybe in those days it wasn't pour, it was like dribble it out to somebody else. But I did it anyhow. I was obedient to what I felt God was saying. And I gave this money, five pounds to somebody else. A couple of weeks later, months later, I had 50 pounds excess and I was able to bless somebody else. A couple of months after that, there was more, 500 pounds. You know that after a 10-year period, Claire and I were able to bless uh, people with 5,000 pounds. In fact, we were able to pay the deposit on somebody else's home, two other families. We actually paid their mortgage deposit for them. Not a loan, not expecting a back, a gift to be able to bless them. Over that period of time, we were able to give away two new uh, two uh, motor cars to families that had nothing in fact it's total three different cars that we've given away there was a preschool down the road from us and they had it, it wasn't the greatest preschool uh, the kids used to play in the back and it was just like uh, the turf had all been messed up and it was just dirt now uh, there wasn't any nice new jungle gyms or anything and Claire and I felt to bless the school we went and we, we got a garden company in and we were able to rip out all the dirty turf and stuff we put special sprinkler systems in watering systems because remember South Africa was pretty dry and then we put new turf on top so it would be watered we built a larpa gazebo type thing that was made with uh, massive beautiful gum poles and it, it was great shade and shelter for the kids and then we built a, a jungle gym that even I wanted to play on. It was huge. It was, and we were able just to be a blessing to somebody else. We began to pour, not just financial, but even our stuff. As a young guy, I used to play a lot of different instruments. And uh, one day I was in the second hand shop and I saw this bass guitar. I didn't play bass at the time, but I thought I'd like to learn. So I found some, it was only very, very cheap and it was messed up. It had graffiti all over it. It was messed up and everything. And I thought it was made out of like a wood. I could restore this guitar. So I got, took it home and, and I was looking and I thought, right, I tuned it a little bit and I put some new strings on it and I took some sandpaper and said, I'm going to restore this back to its former glory. And as I began to sand down, it looked like there was plastic underneath it. Do you know what it was? There was actually like a, it's like a wallpaper, that textured wallpaper, very thick. It's like a wooden feel to it. And it was actually a casing. It was a protective cover over the guitar. No one ever knew. And I peeled it back. I sent it back and I got, and finally managed to get it. And I peeled it back. And underneath that was the most stunning guitar that I had ever seen. And because it was always in its protective wrapping, no one ever knew it was perfect condition. I was able to give that away. Over the years, I have blessed churches with not one, not two, not three, multiple keyboards for them to play like what we have in our church. I've been able to give off my finances, of our stuff, 
of our time we went around and we would invest our time and go from home group to home group, small group to small group, ministering on Sundays. I would actually go during the week and I would just go to the church and, and straighten the chairs and get involved. No one asked me to. I just wanted to do it. I started because I was blessing with whatever I was, God gave me, I was, my time, my finances, whatever I had. I wanted to pour it. And I noticed that God just kept on multiplying it and multiplying it and multiplying it. You see, that brings me to the third part. God gave me seed for my needs. He gave me extra to pour. And then last, look at that verse one more time. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. Oh, God kept on increasing and increasing and increasing. Whatever you give to him, he's going to multiply it. It's an investment, whether it be time, whether it be money, whether it's stuff, your gift set, your ability to sing or serve somebody else. God will multiply that. God makes us a promise. In Galatians chapter 6, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant whatever it is whether it be finances time assets whatever you have if you sow it and you give it and you start to pour it god will multiply it he's going to increase it it's invested into the kingdom of god but that verse goes on so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up oh if we keep on don't give up I know we've had a hard time. I know that we've gone through a pandemic over the last couple of months. And you might be feeling like, I want to give more, but I don't have it right now. You're in that catch situation. I want to, but I can't. Don't allow that. Take whatever you have available to you and say, I'm going to use this for the kingdom of God and watch God multiply it. And the last part of that verse actually gives us some further instructions as well. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Whenever we have the opportunity, Lord, I say thank you. I'm keep our eyes open. What opportunities are around us that I can be a blessing, that I can pour and not store. I want to tell you this. As you pour, God gives more. I'll say it again. As you pour, God gives more. We mustn't be locked into a scarcity mindset. I'm reminded of the very first week. Do you remember that, that sinful woman that barged into Simon the Pharisee's house and raced across to Jesus and, and she anointed his feet with her tears and, and she uh, broke that alabaster um, perfume on him. It was worth a year's salary. That was extravagant worship. But at the same time, that was her investing into Jesus, into the ministry of Jesus. Do you know what her thoughts were? If he's gracious enough to forgive me, he's powerful enough to provide for me. I want to tell us that applies to us. For me, if he's gracious enough to forgive me, he's powerful enough to provide for me. I don't have to worry because he is the one who gives uh, the seed to the farmers. He's the one who provides the increase, not me. We've been talking a little bit about family over the last three weeks. And this applies to us as a family as well. You are invited into the family. You are invaluable in the family. You are influential in the family. And I want to ask us, are we invested in the family? Do you fit in this family? Fit, F-I-T. And I, that little acronym there, these three key words that I thought of that are appropriate. Number one was financial investment. 
And I want to say, church, thank you so much. PCF Church family, you guys have been such a blessing. You, you're constantly giving. You're giving online. You have, you, you, it is part of your debit order or your standing orders, and you guys have been so faithful. Just over Christmas last year, we were able to give away to um, people without uh, food banks and children that were going hungry over 10,000 pounds. Just recently, in the last two or three months, we have raised some more money. We've been able to build a church in Nepal. We've raised 8,000 pounds towards that church. And in addition to that, we've had now this Afghanistan refugee crisis in the world. We've been able to send a further 3,000 pounds to ministries there to help people on the ground. Guys, that is over 23,000 pounds investment just from you guys alone. That is a generous, invested heart. And I want to say thank you. I want to say to you, let's raise our faith. You have been pouring and God's going to provide more. Why? So they can be famous and rich? No, 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 no. It's not about being famous and rich. It's so that we can continue to pour. We can continue to pour, not store. You know, if you have a knock on the door at your house, there could be somebody standing behind the door and you go and open the door and there's a guest. And you may know them, you may not. And you'd say, would you like to come in? And you invite them as a guest into your home and they will sit in your house uh, nicely or in the lounge area it might be a salesman it might be uh, somebody a neighbor somebody who wants to talk to you and they are just a guest they'll always you will try and make them feel welcome in your home they might say to you could i use your facilities where's the bathroom and you say down it's everything's so polite they are guests in your home and you might say you're so welcome here but as you get to know that person over, maybe they, you're meeting them again in the street or a town and you start to develop a, slight, a small relationship with them, they no longer become guests. They now go to becoming friends. Initially, when you make a new friend, you kind of, it's just, hi, how are you? But slowly you get to know them a little bit more. You get to know their background, their story. In fact, when you've got a real good friend, instead of them knocking on the front door, they might actually go to the back door and they just open up and they say, Hey Sally, I'm here, I'm making a brew. And you know, help yourself, I'll check, I'll be down in a minute and come and chat to you. And then they're looking in your fridges, oh look what you had for supper. Oh, that looks delicious. Could I make a sandwich? Because they become friends. Friends have a deeper relationship. But then there's a third level. It's family. <laughs> family don't knock at the front door family have a key to the door. They don't just sit in the living room, they have their own room. Have you noticed that family make their presence felt? Have you ever been into a family home where there are teenagers around? My goodness, you can hear the music and the house is kind of vibrating. Even though they're not in the room, you can feel their presence. If you're a little baby, you can sense their presence. Their toys all over the place. And you can maybe hear a crying baby somewhere or something. Or the parents say, shh, the child's sleeping. Their presence can be felt. You see, it's not about just being present in the home. It's about a presence in the home. Here at PCF Church, I feel we've got exactly the same. We have guests, we have friends, and we also have family. Can I take a moment just to have a look at the fit model and how does it apply to those three categories of guests and friends and family? If you're a guest, financial investment, do, do guests make a financial? No. You, we are just so happy that you're here. We are so happy that we can serve you and provide you with a cup of tea and coffee and some cake. 
there is no, we, there's no requirement to give anything, and we're just so blessed by your presence. But friends, hang on a minute, friends start to get a little bit more friendly with us, and they say, oh, I liked your idea about Christmas, and supplying the needs and contributing to that food bank. Could I just donate, make a small donation as well? You see, friends slowly start to contribute a little bit. It might be a bit small, they might be a bit quiet, but as the friendship grows, so their investment will grow as well. But it's most probably just a once-off gift that you're going to get. However, in family, oh, in family you get some really quiet, introverted family members, you get some really extroverted family members, and they're boisterous. I tell you, they're all part of the family. You even get some dysfunctional family members, and they're all still part of the family. But do they have a financial investment into that family? I would venture to say yes. In fact, I would submit to you that family members don't just have an item on your budget. The family is your budget. The kids demand you've got to have food, you've got to have clothing, your schooling, whatever the activities are. There's so much. There's always, it, you, the family is always intricately involved in the budget and into finance, the finances of the family. Yes, definitely there's a contribution, a part to play, and you guys are doing just that. Thank you so much. But have a look at the second one, I. The I stands for informed. Can you say that I am informed? Yes, a guest. Are guests informed? Well, maybe a guest would just look at our website once just to see where the location is or the parking is or what time the service starts. However, when you become a friend, you start to follow on Facebook or Instagram and you start to read and check up all the little comments that are made and you might even write in and make your own comments. But as a family, I'm asking you to be informed. For example, Echo Prayer. Don't just switch off the app and silence it. Just switch it on and install the app so that when we send out a prayer, you can continue and pray with us. Why? Because you are invaluable and you're influential. You see, when prayer changes things, when we offer and ask for prayer for a situation, we rely so heavily on your prayers. Nothing happens in the kingdom of God except by prayer. So please, get involved with the prayer app. Now listen, when family people miss a meeting, and they do, they catch up. i got, uh, as I've mentioned before, I've got two kids, one in Wales and one in Yorkshire. And uh, I I'll sometimes text them, and I might not hear from them for ages. But all of a sudden, I get a reply. They catch up with the news. They, they're not disconnected for long. Yes, I know, you might need to be off with family because there's a family function or a party or something like that that you need to be at. And you go with my blessing. And I say, please enjoy it. But do yourself a favor and catch up because you're family. Have a look during the week at the next opportunity say, I need to get involved with that again. Because I want you to have a presence, not just be present in a given service. Don't unsubscribe from the e-news. Once every week or two, and in fact we're making it more like three or four weeks, we get the e-news. And that's the key information that we're trying to communicate with you. Stay informed. Why? Because you are family. Family are informed. And the last one, T, is our time investment. Uh, yes, what, what does a guest offer? Nothing. They don't give up their time. Friends might do a little bit. They might say, yeah, I'll come along to that function and I'll join you for that. And also you'll notice with friends, it's always subject to their own agenda. If they got tickets to the football tomorrow, they're not coming to your function. They're going to go to their football. But family always put family first. 
Claire and I have had a, times where we've had plans, but if the kids phone and say, hey, we're coming down to visit, we change our plans because they're family. And for other members in the family change their plans to fit in with you too. So as a family, we kind of listening, we, we, we're gracious with each other. How can I fit in with you and how can you fit in with me? Because we invest our time. We invest our time by attending meetings. Would we invest our time by attending and make sure that we're always connecting with our small group? And if you do miss your small group, your connect group during midweek, catch up and get involved with the WhatsApp group that they're chatting about. I know that some of you are very, very quiet. Just a thumbs up or a smiley face will be adequate. Get involved. It's not so much about being present. I want to ask you, do you have a family presence in the church? You know, I'm reminded in the Bible of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector over an entire region. And uh, he, he was in an alliance with the Romans. And uh, he would collect the taxes and then he would charge a little bit extra for his own pocket. And he must really had other junior tax collectors working underneath him because he was the chief. So he got very, very rich. And in Luke chapter 19, it tells the story of how Jesus was coming along and Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And he climbed up into a sycamore tree. And Zacchaeus was stopped there, arrested by Jesus when he turned to him and said, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. And Zacchaeus invited uh, Jesus into his home as a guest. But you know, as a guest there, Jesus turned the tables on him and invited him into the family of God. Zacchaeus's heart was changed. Immediately, without being prompted from Jesus, Jesus never gave him a lecture. Jesus never told him off. Jesus never told him to invest. But his heart was changed from that of an alliance with the Romans and to abuse. When he got into the family, his son said, I'm going to bless and give up to half my goods to the poor. And if I've robbed anyone and stolen from someone, I'm going to give them back four times as much. You see, it's all about our heart. This investment that I'm talking about today, I'm not trying to get your money. God, you're already a blessing. So this isn't trying to twist your arm or get the tithes up. You guys have been so faithful and I just praise the Lord for your faithfulness. So many of you have been giving and I'm just blessed out of my cotton socks, if you know that expression. But I want to say it's about our hearts. It's all about our hearts. Are you invested financially within being informed and also with your time. Get involved. Join up with the hands, face and feet team. Get involved in a ministry somewhere. Because whatever you sow, you will reap. If you're poor, you're going to be able to be blessed. God's going to bless you and he's going to increase that for you. I'm inviting you into the family of God because Jesus invites, others reject. You're invited into the family of God. And you are invaluable in the church family. We can't do it without you. And you're so influential because one word, one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love will change somebody's life. I want to ask you, are you invested in the kingdom of God? Will you pour and not store?